trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. I am so glad you could join us and engage in some some rightful wrong think on this lovely Tuesday. My guest is a fellow wrong thinker and political consultant, Gary Welch. Gary, good to have you back on the program. And it's nice to have another opportunity to do a Three Stooges poke in the eyes to the political elite. Yes, it is. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is wrong, but I just feel better for talking about these things. And we've got some great stuff to cover today. Now, I want to mention that our show is brought to you by Landmark Risk Management and Insurance, also Monticello College, and Rio del Sion. I think I may be saying that wrong. Rio del Sion, Home Lots. Yeah, I know I'm butchering the name, but I'll tell you this. It's right outside Zion National Park, if that gives you kind of a a hint of what the landscape looks like. And these are beautiful home lots in southern Utah. I know a lot of people are moving to Utah right now from all different kinds of places. If, uh, if, you're, if you're one of the people who can really pick and choose where you want to live, click on the link there. It'll take you to my friend John Staples, and he will uh, he will get you set up. Well, Gary... Your thoughts as, as we uh, as we launch in today, anything in particular? Um, I haven't said anything about, uh, you know, the president's second impeachment trial beginning today. But do you have any thoughts on uh, what's going on in the U.S. Senate right now? Just like with everything else, it's just we are going from the unconscionable, unconsciousable to the absurd. And, and it, is, it is getting to that point where it really is absurd and that scares me. So, you know, you're talking about property in, in southern Utah, and I'm thinking like, yeah, you know what? If that's kind of off the grid, that sounds really appealing to me right now. Yeah, but but I think the, the downside is, and we talked about this before, even those who want to, you know, look, just leave me alone. I'm going to go somewhere quiet. Trust me, the people who want to run things, and I mean really run things like down to your individual life, they'll come knocking. They will not leave you alone. They're going to come looking for you, which leads me to the question, um, are politicians sociopaths? And I'm going to include, Gary, not just politicians, but they're enablers. Are they sociopaths in how badly they want to control other people? Well, I think that they are even sociopaths in the mental makeup. Now, I don't like to lump everybody into it. There's never 100%. But there is a predominant feature in those that go into politics and in government that we see time and time again. And, the, the, you know, the description of a sociopath, and I'm not talking about the serial murder types, the guys that are evil, because you have to add that evil component to the sociopath to make it so. But what they do have is that lack of empathy. They do not feel your pain. They do not care that you are hurting They only care about themselves and their situation and how to improve that. And what I see over and over again in our government officials and those who want to be government officials is this, you know, this proclivity to, you know, just like, I don't care about you. I don't care about your life. I don't care about what's going on. And and COVID was just a really good example of this where we saw, you know, 
here locally, I'll give you a local and in a more, you know, kind of distant away uh, situation here in Utah, they had so many business owners go to them and say, you are destroying my life. You are actually ruining my life and making this so that I cannot exist. I cannot eat. I won't be able to support my family. You are going to destroy my life. And they went, yeah, whatever. So, so what? <laughs> I'm sorry. And then you have, uh, I, can, right. I can see, I can see that reaction though. And so, and then go to New York and, and governor Como and his thing of let's put these COVID, you know, infected people into rest homes where it is going to go and wreak havoc with all of those lives and put them in danger. And he knew that that's the thing that came out with this investigation. He was told if you do that, it is going to kill all these people. And he went, yeah, whatever. It's political, right? And when he got caught out of it, what did he do? Yeah. Okay. I think I made a mistake on that, but um, yeah, move on. So what? He didn't care. Wow. See, politicians are very good at pretending to care. Um, I, I read an article. Um, I think it was, I think this was yesterday from Caitlin Johnstone, and and this may offend some people. I mean, look, I mean no offense. If you have a loved one in a memory uh, unit or living in an assisted living or uh, even a you know a long term care memory facility, you know what I'm talking about. People with Alzheimer's, people with uh, with dementia. She made a very strong correlation with how uh, p- how electoral politics can sometimes be um, can keep people within it in the same way that uh, that these facilities for those who have memory or cognitive issues, uh, the way that they they take care of their patients. For instance, she says, if uh, if a person gets agitated, let's say uh, an Alzheimer's patient is getting agitated because the sun's going down. I know I need to be home. uh, I'm just I'm ready to go home instead of sitting there and telling them, well, you know, it's. That's too bad, or it sucks to be you. Uh, what the what the trained staff will do is say, "Of course, Mister Smith. Yes, yes. Let's get you ready. Hey, would you like some dinner first? And so they basically distract them, and they're agreeing with him. You bet, you bet. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get you right home. And if they can just play it out long enough, the memory loss does the rest. And pretty soon, you know, Mister Smith is sitting there eating his dinner and you know talking about the the old days in the war, and has completely forgotten about that desire to go home. Politicians do the same thing in the sense that when people get angry, that's it. I've had enough, Gary. I'm leaving the party. I'm I'm never going to vote for you again. Politicians step up. Hey, I hear you. I feel you. We're going to we're going to fix that for you. Now, do they actually do it? Most often not. But what's the what's the end result? The voters just kind of go back to they they forget. They quickly forget. Oh, that's right. I was mad. Oh, no, I, I don't know why. Oh, so what shall we do? Is there anything on TV? <laughs> Anybody watching the Super Bowl? It's it's a very curious comparison, but for me, it worked in the sense that you pretend to agree with people. You mirror back to them what uh, what they would want to to have sent their way, and that placates them long enough for you to, to do what you were going to do anyway. That sounds like a politician to me. And it defines another characteristic of the sociopath, which is their ability to manipulate and we see that again look at your average government official your average politician you see somebody who is very manipulative and someone who's very self-centered it's all about them and they really do not care about the, their lives that they impact the, with the things that they do wow 
Well, it's funny. I think in most polls that I have seen, and I, you know, granted, I don't go take a poll every week, but generally speaking, it's a pretty safe bet. If you take a poll of who are the most trusted or least trusted uh, professions or people in society, politicians are usually right down there near the bottom. I think used car salesmen rank above politicians if, if you stop and ask people. And yet these same people will continue sending a politician back over and over again, or they'll they'll find a reason to believe why, uh, but it's better to have this politician than that one. And and so they, they perpetuate bad behavior by continuing to send the same people back over and over again. Sometimes it's because they're the lesser of two evils, and sometimes I think it's just habit. Well, you know, this one's an R. I'm an R, so I'm going to vote for an R rather than a D. It seems like we, we have a habit that, that needs to be broken, but nobody realizes they have that habit. And just like your your resident in that senior's home and in that 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 center, they do the exact same thing. They they've told me this. I've had politicians and and political leaders tell me over and over again, "Don't worry about it, Gary. They'll forget. We we will do this. They'll get mad. We'll deal with it." But three years from now, you know, they'll forget. And they talk about strategies where you do all the bad things in the very beginning of your term so that you have the multiple years for them to forget about that. You know, put all your things in place in the very beginning, wait it out for you, you know, three years later, four years later, they've forgotten and they and they have they really have. Yep. We've we've got to take a break here in about a minute. But uh, when we come back, what angle would you like to to take? As, as we move forward, I know we we can talk about the problems. I think we're, we're pretty good at nailing those things down. But we're, let's talk about also uh, what are, what are we suggesting in way of solutions and any, any particular way you'd like to go? Well, I, I just would like to talk about governments in total and that the sociopaths have always been there so that we can kind of approach this from. Do you really want socialism? Knowing that, do you really want socialism? But I've heard it's so kind and so fair. <laughs> And and nobody nobody has to worry about anything. It's just it's like magic. Well, I'm sure if Willy Wonka could have figured out a way to, you know, to to put it in a candy wrapper, he'd have done it. Okay, sarcasm off. That just that just it's one of those things I'm trying to get my mind around. Why is it so attractive? Why do people people? Oh, it's it's probably because they never lived under a socialist system. So this time we're going to get it right. All right, we'll take a quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our program is brought to you in part by Monticello College. I would encourage you to click on the link, which you will find in the sponsor section of my show notes. I publish them every day with the show. So today's show is uh, November 9th, November, sorry, February 9th. Jeez, Gary, I am, I'm totally in the wrong, wrong part of the year, wrong year. Uh, it's February 9th. Check out the show notes at the Uh Gary Welch is my guest and, and Gary, I know you and I aren't the only people feeling frustrated right now with with the way things are going. I know there are people who are feeling a very intense need to step up 
and do something. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about why are politicians the way that they are, and uh, to to what extent can we put them back on their leash? Is that possible? And that's kind of where I wanted to go with this this conversation because the direction of the conversation has to go with okay you want more government, you want government more involved, then let's take a look at this. They tell you that they're trying to do this for your own good, that they are looking after your welfare, that they are dependent upon you for for their livelihood and whatnot. But has there ever been a demonstrated case of government being benevolent to the society? Has there ever been a situation where we have seen government where they did the right things for their society, where they helped them. You look through history, and it's very clear over and over again, governments hurt their citizens. They don't help them. They hurt them. That's a proven fact. And so why wouldn't you have this long history of saying that this is the case where government is there to abuse and exploit and hurt the citizens that work under them, Why would you want that? And it all comes from power, that when you give human beings power, this is, we've talked about this before, in that our founding fathers were the, the greatest human behaviorists ever created. I mean, it was just a group of people who understood human behavior getting together and saying, okay, now that we understand how humans react to each other and how they act, you know, on their own, we're going to create a government that that takes that knowledge and and creates a better government. And what they understood was that when you put positions of power, when you give someone the ability to exert power, there are always those. They're not a majority. The majority of us are not that way. But it's that small 5% minority that's ever so willing to jump up and say, sure, if you're going to give it to me, I'll take it and I'll control you and I'll dictate terms to you and I don't care about you. So I am going to take advantage of this power and and do all these things that I that I want to do because, quote unquote, I know what's good for you, which is really I know what's good for me. And that's always been the attraction. And, and, and what they came up with is take away the power. And it's the big lie of pretty much every collectivist movement. And that is that, hey, these people know better how to make the decisions to run your life than you do. All you need to do is just whatever they tell you. There's been so much mischief foisted on humanity and tragedy and atrocities foisted on them as well, you know, in the name of, uh, but I know better. And I think uh, COVID has been, you know, a big part of it. Now, Gary, this scares those who are in power and, and anybody who stands up against it has to get used to the fact that um, they're not going to take it in good stride. And oh, OK, <laughs> you caught me <laughs> here. You know, quit, I'll quit oppressing you or I'll quit, you know, uh, ruining your life, destroying your business, whatever the case may be. Uh, case in point, I don't know if you have seen this. Uh, the L.A. Times has just released a, a hit piece against uh, Ammon Bundy and something he has done in the wake of COVID, which is to organize uh, an organization called People's Rights. Are you familiar with this at all? Have you heard of this? No, this is new to me. Okay, Okay, so essentially what it is, is putting together at, uh, at the most local level possible, like a neighborhood watch, and helping people coordinate with one another, people who actually live in their cities, their counties, you know, their neighborhoods for that matter, how to look out for one another if they find that uh, the the state 
is is overstepping its bounds. You know, maybe it's they're threatening we're going to close down this restaurant because you're not masking everybody or you're not questioning people about masks as they come in the door. I don't know. I'm just using that as a hypothetical. But the idea is people are organizing and they are they are standing up for one another, which I think is an essential thing. But uh, boy, the the L.A. Times sent one of their writers after Ammon. And I mean, the Gary, I've seen some pretty hysterical things written about Ammon over the years. This may be the most hysterical one yet. It is just it is so filled with innuendo and half truths and, and misleading statements that, uh, that don't begin to hint that in any way it would ever be legitimate for people to stand up and say that's enough. We are the ones from whom you derive your power and you have to you have to respect that there are there are places in our lives there are things about us that are off limits to government. And so they're they're essentially saying that uh, Ammon has put together this this uber form of, you know, dial a militia, you know, with a simple text, you can have these heavily armed people show up and protest for you. And, you know, they're they're boiling it down into the most pejorative terms possible. But the idea that we have to stand up and help one another, I think, is a very solid idea. I would also expect it to be pushed back on and and uh, maligned as well. You know, you're just an insurrectionist or something along those lines. Well, it makes me wonder if Ammon's been listening to us, because isn't that what we've been preaching? And And this is kind of the approach that we are talking about. Look at like the Soviet Union when they were in power and they controlled the press and they controlled the government and they controlled the schools and the universities. And yet out of that, there was a freedom movement. We saw the same thing even in Iran, where it is a very oppressive government. And yet we saw people on the streets, you know, protesting what was going on. How did that come about? That came about because local people just got together and started communicating with each other and saying, look, we don't need the newspapers. We don't need these other forms that the government controls or the media, you know, the, the mainstream media people who are, in, are just nothing but propaganda for our government. We don't need to go through those, those means to communicate to each other and to work together and collaborate. So I love what he's doing. I think that is awesome because it fits in with what we're talking about. Go no. to your city, go to your community, you know? Yep, I, I'm with you on this. And I I know that uh, people hear this and think, well, this is pretty fiery rhetoric, but I'm, I'm going to just emphasize, neither you nor I am talking about, you know, grab your guns and it's violent revolution. Um, we have so many peaceful avenues available to us to try to solve these problems, up to and including simply, I'm going to walk away. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, you know, uh, remove myself from your control as much as possible, as peacefully as possible. But for some reason, it's always portrayed as, well, this is horrible, radicalized, extreme rhetoric. When in reality, we're just simply trying to assert that there are there are limits to what government may properly do. And there are things, there are responsibilities you and I have that uh, we need to be willing to shoulder. We can't outsource them to somebody else and say, all right, my life's going to be good because I got somebody to tell me what to do. That's going to land you in trouble every time. History is the best teacher of this. But apparently people aren't as familiar with the that part of history. And we'll, 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 we'll pick this up after the break, but this really goes into the strategy of, of how are you going to do this? What is, what is the most effective way that we can accomplish our goals? 
And this really relates to that that news article. They're going to go after us. These these news mainstream news medias and whatnot, the social media folks, they're going to attack you and they're going to go after you. You have to come up with a different strategy. And one of the things is this is going to sound really weird, but uh, what I'm going to tell everybody, ignore them. Yep. Well, let's let's touch on that when we come back, because I think that's probably going to be easier said than done. Gary Welch is my guest. Our program is brought to you in part by Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. If you have commercial insurance, you already know it can get complicated quickly. If you need a little help, there is no shame in, in going to the people who know all about it. That would be Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. Click on the link in my show notes at thebrianheitshow.com. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest, my fellow wrong thinker. I like to sit down with him about once a week. And and Gary, I know it's... Look, politics, I think, for a lot of people, brings out to their, their more base, uh, primitive instincts, because it really comes down to kind of a, a battle for control or a, a battle over power. Um, I appreciate that you like to take a principled approach. In other words, you're looking for what is the best solution that will give us government that is doing what government is supposed to do. And and, and I hate to backtrack and be, you know, f- the basically be hitting the fundamentals here, but... Um, when we talk about government doing what it's supposed to do, what is it rightly supposed to do? Well, our founding fathers said that their only purpose was to protect the rights of their citizens. That was its only purpose. Yep. And and when it does, that's a huge blessing to the people who live under that government. But when it goes astray and when it starts to, uh, well, we're going to add on a few more things that we're going to help you with, uh, suddenly it, it can go from helpful to oppressive and once you allow it to get there, it's pretty dang tough to, to do anything to, to shift that power back to the people. And I, I would, you know, so, so it's always hard, in, especially with our audience, to criticize our founding fathers. And, you know, everything is real, like these are deities now, and they do no wrong. But I do feel that the one thing that they did not do effectively was create a process that prevented the power hungry from getting in. And, and almost immediately, it was it was by the 1830s and 1840s, the power mongers um, among the population were getting into government and were changing our government so that by the 1860s, we had this central government takeover of the country. So they didn't have that, that ability to create that process to ensure that the power hungry didn't get in. And that's one of the things that uh, that we're trying to create is a scenario where we keep them out, that we can create a process that keeps them out by promoting the servant leader. We want leaders. We absolutely want leaders. We want those who can lead and guide us and have that ability to help us move in the right direction and, and carry out the vision. But what's your motivation and, and where is your head at? And the servant leader is all about that. Why is it so rare to find servant leaders today? Is it an incompatibility with the system itself? Is it an unwillingness of people uh, who have those right qualities to, to step up and, and be a part of that process? What do you think? 
Well, there would be two categories. Number one is the corruption. So they keep you out. We have seen good people time and time again this, that are just marginalized. The party system keeps them away. The political apparatus keeps them away. The media, it basically it guarantees failure for doing that. And then the second part of it is that if you see the institution as an institution of power, as a servant leader, you're going to take your leadership skills and go into the private sector and run your business and become, you know, do your influence that way of, of running your business or doing a nonprofit or something like that. And so they just look for different avenues because they really don't see it as that's an avenue to approach. Until, again, somebody comes up and then says, hey, let's do some wrong thinking on this, not the way that everyone else does, but let's think about this differently. I see. So walk me through um, a couple more of the steps that we were going to cover today. Um, looking at what's going on, for instance, in, in, in Washington, I know that today is, is the, uh, the second Trump impeachment trial. Uh, first and foremost, Gary, will any good, can any good come from this because I, I, I'm, I'm not really clear on what purpose this is even serving since the guy is no longer in office. And, uh, you know, it, 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 to me, it, it just seems like pageantry for the sake of pageantry. Right. So the perspective is, well, you know, can any good come out of this? If you're a Democrat? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I'd like to just kind of push with this of what what is the agenda on this? And um, while we're on break, I actually did a, I just I hadn't looked before, but I did look now. And there is an actual preponderance of Americans do want him impeached. It's it's anywhere from 52 to 56 percent are asking for him to be impeached. So there is a popular backing of this. But like I've always said in politics, don't look at the front of it. Don't look at what's there. Always look behind the curtain because there's another agenda. And the key to this was when Biden asked all of the uh, prosecuting attorneys, the federal attorneys that Trump had had been appointed, he asked them to resign and step down. And when I saw that, I recognized what this impeachment was all about. This is the council, council culture in full bloom. This is we're going to erase him. We're going to eliminate. He is not going to exist. We're, everything that he's done, every mark that he did, we're going to take it out. We're going to erase it. And he won't exist anymore. And that impeachment does that. That impeachment says you can't come back. You're done. You're gone. We've canceled you. Interesting. Well, it, it seems like we, we, we've taken a, a swerve off of uh, the highway that connects us with reality. And I don't know where we are, but we're somewhere in the weeds. Um, you know, what's what's going on in terms of uh, the amount of spending, in terms of the amount of of investigating the insurrection, as they call it. Um, I prefer the clash at the Capitol just because I think that doesn't really over exaggerate or under under exaggerate what took place. Uh the, the move towards we've got to find and and fix this problem with extremism, which very much sounds like, you know, a, a call to marginalize, isolate and what reeducate tens of millions of Americans who don't agree with uh, the 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 faction that happened to win this last election. I don't know where I, I think we're in a very interesting time and. Uh, Frankly, anything that uh, that would have might that might have restored my faith in uh, well, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna get this thing sorted out. 
I don't know, politics has become irrational enough, at least at the federal level, um, maybe closer to home, we'd be okay. But uh, man, I'm telling you at the federal level, look at what Washington, D.C. looks like these days. And tell me that's a sign of, you know, a system that's that's healthy and, and vigorous and and responsive to its people. And maybe, you know, I don't know the law that well regarding this issue, but one of the biggest questions that I've always asked myself is the man's no longer a president. And even if he was, I still don't think that he's immune. You're talking criminal charges. These are felony offenses that you're saying he did. If he incited a riot that caused the death of someone, that is a felony offense. Why aren't you charging him with criminal charges? Exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you why, because there's no judge in the world that will let you get away with it. They will go, no, there's no evidence here. I'm sorry. Dismissed. And they don't want that to happen. So they're not doing that. And yet that would be the right thing to do. If he's if he is guilty of this crime, the man should be put in front of a court and, and a judge and have these charges pressed against him. He had people killed. Come on, people. We got to do this. We got to charge him with a criminal charge. Yet it ain't happening. So uh, along that same line, Gary, let me ask you this. Uh, do, do you think that the, the, the feds are overcharging those people? I think they've scooped up 235 so far uh, in connection with what happened on January 6th. Some of these people are facing, you know, 30 years or more in prison. Does that uh, does that sound like they're being overcharged or is that uh, does that fit the actions that, that you're aware of? Um, and, I, and we have to be consistent on this, Brian, because we talked about this with the Black Lives Matters. And and one of the things is I, I've, I spoke to a lot of people who were there and they were at that. The good law abiding citizens, when they saw what was happening, packed up and went home. They said, we're not going to participate in this. So if you participated, I don't care your reasons. I do not care your motivations. I do not care that your your pol- politics are aligned with mine. Whenever you cross that line where you do something that is using violence or, or using you know destruction of property or anything like that, uh, I don't care. You broke the law. You should be arrested. You should be you should be prosecuted. OK, I want to make a distinction, though. Um, there were some people who were very clearly agitating, breaking things, um, you know, instigating, trying to get the crowd fired up. Come on, come on, let's go. But I also have seen the videos with my own eyes of police stepping back, moving barricades, opening doors, waving people through the doors um, very clearly, giving them access. And the people were peacefully just filing in. And, and, And in other words, there were some people who I think behaved violently and inappropriately. I also think there were a number of people who, for whatever reason, you know, ill-advised or not, went into the Capitol and uh, took pictures and, you know, sent texts to friends, look at me, look where I am, who are now being charged with, you know, heavy federal crimes. And that, I don't know, it seems, I don't want to, I don't want to lump them all in the same ball of wax there and say, yeah, because they were there, they're as guilty as the ones who actually broke things and threatened and, you know, fought with law enforcement to get in there. Does that make sense? Uh, I hate to be like on the opposite side of this with you but let's let's come back to it then let's come back to it because i want to hear your take on this we'll be back in just a few moments this is the brian hyde show
This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our program brought to you in part today by Monticello College. I think you should check them out, MonticelloCollege.org. There's a great link to them in the show notes today at thebrianhydeshow.com. Gary Welch is my guest. We have been talking about a number of different items as we went to break. Gary, uh, you were indicating that uh, you and I may be on the opposite side of this issue regarding uh, charging um, some of the people who participated in the clash at the Capitol on the 6th. And I'd like to give give you a chance. Go ahead and, and, and tell me where you're coming from. So what I'm trying to be is just consistent. And I think that that is a very big deal for 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 wrong thinkers is that we can be wrong thinkers and we could think against the status quo, but we must be very consistent because that is not something that is happening right now. We have all of this, this hypocrisy where it's good for me, but it's bad for you. If I do it, it's okay. But if you do it, it's wrong. And the way to stop that is to, to take that out of the picture and say, no, we're going to be very consistent on this. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it's right, it's right. And so we have talked about black lives matter. And one of the things that we have brought up was you had thousands of people on these riots. You only had about 40 individuals that were really burning and breaking and going after the cop cars, something and doing the crazy, stupid, violent stuff. But because of the thousands that were there that were hindering police, that were blocking the streets, that were screaming at the police and saying, if you come in, there's going to be a fight. We're going to do damage. We're going to do violence and all that other stuff. You let those 40 individuals get away with what they were doing and you become culpable in their actions. If you would have just simply said, look, this is getting violent. These guys are idiots. We don't have nothing to do with them. They're Antifa and they're not us. And we're going home like you're supposed to, then the police come in, they arrest the 40 idiots, and that, and the whole thing is over. But because you were there, you allowed it to continue. It's the same thing with the Capitol building. If you're inside there, once you saw that it was getting violent, once you saw it was escalating, once you heard the megaphone say, hey, you must leave, you must go home, that is all those indicators to say you're going to get out of there. And the reality of it was thousands and thousands of people who were there did just that. And I think that's a big difference between the crowd at the Capitol and the BLM riots. And oh. if the if the same thing was applied to both groups, we would be condemning the BLM riots just as much. OK, and I, and I have to say that, you know, that consistency is necessary. And I and I, I agree Um it's so hard to know. It's so hard to know if, if what you're being told by so much of, of the mass media has any basis in reality or if it's being spun. And, and I just operate on the assumption, Gary, maybe I'm wrong for doing so, but I always operate on the, on the assumption that whatever I'm being told is being told to me the way it's being told to me for a reason. Someone wants me to feel this way. Someone wants me to think this way. And so I started asking questions like, why? Why is it important? More often than not, it seems like it comes down to because this will keep me under the control of this, you know, this organization or institution, or you, you'll you believe this and your sympathies will go in this direction. And so I, I hope we're adding some alternative viewpoints here to people who are looking for something other than, uh, you know, that thing that tells you what to think, what to feel, you know, what what uh, what you're supposed to conclude about uh, something that took place rather than actually giving you here are the facts here's what happened you make up your own mind gary you you tell you you figure out what what it's all about and that's actually a very good point because we take 
we take behaviors that we apply to humans and don't apply them to institutions. For instance, I trust you, Brian. I trust you explicitly because you have demonstrated to me over and over again during our friendship and our relationship that you are a man that is honest, you speak the truth, and I can trust you. If you consistently, like if I gave you money and you stole it and you consistently told me lies, even though you told the truth like every fifth time or something like that, I would not trust you. And in my world, especially like you, you, you do something to lose my trust once, I'm very slow to give it back to you. Why do we treat the media differently? They have lied to us. We've caught them lying to us. We know they're lying to us. I should. I, I treat them as you guys are liars, and I am not going to listen to you. I don't care what you're saying, I, and this is why I was saying ignore them. They're not people to be trusted. I don't. I never look at it as being they are telling me the truth. My assumption is they are lying to me. Wow. Well, I wish I wish more people would adopt that approach. At least when it comes to to people in either political positions or bureaucratic positions, um, it seems in some ways we're far, far too trusting. Or um, if it's not a matter of trust, maybe it's a matter of we're far too easily uh, cowed into submission. We're not willing to to make any waves by saying, wait a minute, (laughs) you're telling me to do something, but I don't see the justification for it. And I'm thinking specifically of all the business owners told you're not essential. You have to shut down. Um, when it's very clear now that uh, those shutdowns had absolutely no impact whatsoever on the spread of the coronavirus. And I think a, a healthy society, you know, we, we always like to preach the kumbala, let's all get along mentality. But I think a healthy society is one that mistrusts anyone in power, whether that's media or government. We should always have a strong mistrust of our government. Even when it's our, quote unquote, our guys in office, we still mistrust you. We will always assume that you're up to doing something mischievous or wrong because history has proven that that's what will happen unless we keep an eye on you. No, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. We're coming down to the, the last couple minutes here. I know we had a lot of territory to cover today. What haven't we touched on? Uh, this one here, uh, th- there was a, a subject you had sent me earlier about what are alternatives to communicating in a social media world? That's a really relevant question, Gary, because social media apparently has a much stronger grasp on the flow of information or at least controlling the flow of information within it than anybody would have thought previous to just a couple of months ago. And so um, I've talked a lot about you don't need to talk to the 90 percent. You need to talk to the 10 percent. And I've actually gotten a lot of um, negative feedback like, Gary, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. But here's why I say that. Remember, we talked about how the politicians always say they'll forget. Let's do it all in the first year. And by four years, they'll forget that 90 percent that is out there. They're very fickle. They are very misinformed. They're not ignorant. They're not stupid. They're not idiots. They're just misinformed. They don't have all the information. But the reality of it is they are looking for leadership. They are looking for people who are going to guide and direct them. And that's the 10%. This approach that we're talking about is work within that 10% of your local community because that's not a big group. In my particular city that I live in, population of about 32% or something like that, the, the, the immediate group that I need to talk to is less than 100 people. 
I can communicate. I can email them. I can call them. I can talk to them. I don't need Facebook. I don't need the newspaper. I don't need any, I don't need a radio. I don't need a podcast to do that. I can talk to them directly and reach out to them and convince them to join me in this cause. And then we all as a, as a group say, we're going to move forward. And here's the thing that I can tell you from a marketing standpoint, it all comes down to word of mouth. At the end of the day, the best commercial is not really seen by that many people as much as people talk about. That's why Super Bowl commercials are a couple million bucks a piece. Why? Because we talk about it. At the end of the day, it will always come down to word of mouth. And you get that 10% to start talking. They get that 90% to follow. So who's the 10% that we're talking about? Describe them to me. Or to, to, to them, maybe they're listening and they, they don't even recognize they're part of that 10%. I call them leaders and influencers. Okay. So they would be your local politicians, the local organization leaders, influencers like yourself, people who are writing blogs, um, getting on podcasts, things like that. It doesn't matter how big you are. You're just an influencer or a leader in an organization that is politically aware of what's happening. Okay. And for those who are sitting on the fence, and I, I have a hard time imagining that there's anybody left sitting on the fence at this point, what's the most important message we can be sending their way? Just what we talked about. You know what government will do. Don't go down that road. If you're sitting on the fence, it's time to jump on the side that says, yeah, let's not have government run our lives. Okay. we got a lot of good food for thought here. We are doing our part to try to at least offer a different alternative in, in terms of uh, how to see the world. I hope it makes sense. I, I trust that it does for some people. And Gary, as, as hard as it is to admit, this message may not be for everybody. It, c- it could apply, but it's really it's got to be what they want. So if this isn't what you're looking for, well, thank you. <laughs> Sorry if we wasted your time. But if it is what you're looking for, well, come and join us. Be a wrong thinker. Subscribe to the podcast. Stay tuned. Yada, yada. Gary, thanks so much. As always, awesome. This is The Brian Hyde Show.